We are beginning a new mission on Kufya Tes Amabez 119b. And this Mishnah will be discussing the situation where we have um, two brothers, let's say Ruvain and Shimon, who are married, who are each married. Ruvain is married to Rachel, Shimon is married to Leah. Rachel and Leah are not related. It's just we have two brothers who are married. And we mentioned in the past that um, the the sisters-in-law, the each one, they're married to, to brothers, so they're sisters-in-law with each other. They cannot testify on each other to say that, um, that uh, let's say, there's an exemption of Yibam. These are basically two women who have the potential to become co-wives because if one of the husbands pass away without children, so then the brother, the other husband, uh, could do Yibam. So because they are in this type of relationship where they have the potential to become co-wives, uh, so therefore they are, they are already anticipating such a scenario, and so therefore there is a difficult relationship between them. So they are not allowed to testify against each other, whether it's about their own husbands or whether it's about uh, the brother of the husband. Either, either way, they're not allowed to testify because it would impact each other. And we're concerned that maybe they're making it up so that the other one gets, uh, uh, it makes it very difficult for them. Uh, if, if, it would, if this was in fact not true. Uh, so they're, they're, therefore, they're not allowed to testify against each other. So our Mishnah is unique. It's different in the sense that they're not really testifying specifically about the other sister-in-law, meaning the other person who's, let's say, Rachel and Leah, they're married to brothers. They're not testifying specifically about, Rachel's not testifying specifically about Leah's husband, and Leah's not testifying specifically about Rachel's husband. What's unique about this case is that they're just testifying about themselves, about their own husband, and uh, seemingly about just its relevance to themselves. Um, it may impact, Rachel's testimony may impact Leah, and Leah's testimony may impact Rachel, but at first glance, this is not a testimony which is uh, primarily about, Leah's testimony is not primarily about Rachel, and Rachel's testimony is not primarily about Leah, as we will see. So the case is as follows. Let's see the Mishnah. So let's say Rachel and Leah, they both come to court and they both testify. Rachel says, my husband died, Reuven died. Leah says, Shimon died. So it happens to be that Leah's testimony about Shimon is also the brother-in-law to Rachel. And Rachel's testimony about Reuven is also the brother-in-law to Leah. So we say, um, so in this case, So each one testifies. And let's say there's a case where none of them have children. So when Rachel says that Reuven died, well, she now still has to do Yibam with Reuven's brother Shimon. And when Leah says that Shimon died, Leah still has to do Yibam with Yibam Rechalitza with Ruvain. And what we don't say here, the point is that here we believe them with regards to their own testimony to say that their own husband died. However, we have to fall back on the original principle that says that uh, they're not believed with regards to each other. So Rachel testifies that her husband died, but when Leah then testifies that her own husband died, that would have no impact on Rachel. So vis-a-vis Rachel, and from her own perspective, her own mindset... Uh, we will say that there's still a concern that her husband's brother is alive because the only way we know that her, hu- her husband's brother is no, no longer alive is through her husband's brother's wife, 
through Leah. And that is not sufficient for Rachel. That wouldn't be sufficient for Rachel. So for both of them, they cannot get married. They have to wait till we find out. Either we have other testimony about the brother passing away, um, or they come back. The husband actually comes back, but they're they're each no not allowed to. Um, they're not allowed to uh, get married to somebody else because out of this concern that maybe the, the from their perspective the brother-in-law is actually alive and therefore they would have to do yibam or chalitza. What happens in the following case? Lazu edim, lazu so let's say we have a scenario. Let's say Rachel testifies that Ruvain died, that her own husband died. And it's not Leah, it's not just Leah who testifies that Shimon died, that her husband died, but we have actual witnesses. There are actual witnesses that said that Shimon died. Well, if that's the case, then Rachel could certainly get married to whomever she wants. She's believed with regards to her own husband. That's the general rule. You're believed with regards to your own husband. And with regards to the fact that she has a brother-in-law who's alive, no, she doesn't. There are witnesses that tell us that her brother-in-law is not alive. There are witnesses that said that Shimon died. However, when it comes to Leah, so Leah's husband is clearly dead because there are witnesses that Leah's husband died. However, she can't, still can't get married to whomever she wants because she still, from her perspective, from Leah's perspective, she still has a brother-in-law who's alive. Ruvain, from her perspective, is alive because she cannot rely upon Rachel's testimony. She's, she, from her from her perspective, she can't believe Rachel's testimony. So we have a strange scenario here where Rachel could get married to whomever she wants. However, she, Leah cannot because Leah, maybe from Leah's perspective, her brother-in-law, Shimon's brother, uh, Ruvain, is still alive. Similarly, let's say Rachel and Ruvain had children. Shimon... And Leah did not have children. So Rachel testifies that her husband died, that Reuben died. They have children. There's no concept of Yibam since they already had children. Rachel can marry whomever she wants. Shimon and Leah, they didn't have children. So Leah testifies that Shimon, her husband, died, but she still can't marry whomever she wants because it was Rachel. We only know from Rachel that her husband died. She is not believed. Rachel is not believed vis-a-vis Leah because they are potential co-wives. They are uh, sisters-in-law in the sense that it's they married brothers, so they're not allowed to testify. Uh, the, their testimony doesn't work for each other. So Shim, Leah now still cannot get married to whoever she wants because maybe Ruvain, her brother-in-law, Shimon's brother, is still alive. So there'll be a difference between Rachel, who has kids, so now she's totally exempt from Yibam, she can marry whoever she wants, as opposed to Leah. Leah doesn't have kids, she has to do Yibam or Chalitza, and maybe her brother-in-law is still alive. The last part of the Mishnah, which is going to be the central focus of the Gemara, is, um, you know, let's hold off on the Mishnah for now. It'll be easier. Let us just read one line in the, in the Gemara, and then we'll, the rest of the Gemara is going to focus on the last part of the Mishnah. So let's see the Gemara. The Gemara says, Tana lezu lezu lo lo banim shte mutaros. So uh, the conclusion, the, 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 um, Conclusion of the various cases of the Mishnah will lead you to the following halacha that let's say Ruvain and Rachel have children. Ruvain and Rachel have children, so Rachel is exempt from Yibam. And also, the one who testifies against Ruvain that Ruvain had passed away, it's not just Rachel, but it's also witnesses. There are also two witnesses that say that Ruvain died. Shimon and Leah, they don't have children, so they are obligated to do Yibam. However, Leah testifies that Shimon, her husband, died. 
But she's exempt from Yibam because there are two witnesses that say her brother-in-law died, that Reuven died. So in this scenario, both Reuven, both Rachel and Leah are allowed to marry, marry whomever they want. Why? Rachel testified, in fact, witnesses testified that her husband died. Uh, and she has children, so there's nothing to be worried about in terms of Yibam. So she can marry whomever she wants. Leah could also marry whomever she wants because there are, she testified that her own husband died. And there are witnesses that actually said that her brother-in-law died. So there's no concept of Yibam because her brother-in-law died. So in this scenario, both Rachel and Leah are allowed to marry whomever they want. There's no concept of Yibam for both of them. One because they have children, the other one because there are witnesses who testified. It's not just their own testimony, but we have actual witnesses who testified to say that the brother-in-law, in fact, died. The rest of the Gemara, now let's return back to the Mishnah, discusses the following case. Let's say it's not just Ruvain and Shimon. But we also have two other brothers. There's a family of four. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. And Levi and Yehuda are for sure alive. The whole question is just about Reuven and Shimon. So uh, Leah testifies that Shimon's dead. Rachel testifies that Reuven's dead. So, but there's still Levi and Yehuda. So both of them still have... It's a case where they don't have any children. There are no other witnesses. So uh, Rachel and Leah still have to do Yibam to either Levi and Yehuda. So let's say they do that in Yabmu. So Rachel and Leah then do Yibam. Rachel does Yibam to, let's say, Yehuda. Leah does it to Levi. <coughs> they do Yibam. They get married and do Yibam. Afterward, do Mesuya Yibman. And then Levi and Yehuda, after they did Yibam, they, they die. Levi and Yehuda die. So the question is, could, could uh, Leah and Rachel, are they allowed to marry whoever they want? Now, or are they still forbidden? Before they did Yibam, there was this major concern that the only way we know that if they died, that, that Ruvain and Shimon died, it was through the single testimony of the wives, which uh, Leah's and Rachel's testimony cannot impact each other. So the first opinion says, seriously, and I'll say, they can't get married because Leah still has to be concerned that her brother-in-law is alive, uh, Rachel has to be concerned that her brother-in-law is alive, even though they already did Yibam. Um, and seemingly if you're doing Yibam, that means that <laughs> your husband is no longer alive. Still, they can't get, their testimony can't impact each other. However, Rabbi Lazar Omer, Rabbi Lazar says, no. Rabbi Lazar says, no. Once they already did Yibam, once they were allowed to do Yibam, so, so now uh, we view it as though their husbands are actually dead, let's say objectively, not just for themselves, and they're now allowed to get married to whomever they want. Basically, their, their testimony does impact each other. The testimony of Rachel impacts Leah. The testimony of Leah impacts Rachel. The big question that the Gemara is going to ask is, where did Rabbi Lezer come from? How could Rabbi Lezer say this? I understand the first opinion. The first opinion says, Rachel's testimony cannot impact Leah's testimony. Leah's testimony cannot impact Rachel's testimony because they are potential sorrows to each other. They're potential co-wives to each other because uh, they married brothers. They are sisters-in-law in the sense that they married brothers. And if there's Yibam, so then they could become co-wives. So their testimony cannot impact each other. So I understand the first opinion. The first opinion says their, their testimony cannot impact each other. They both have to be concerned that their brother-in-law is alive, even though each one is testifying that their husband died, their own husband died. Where does Rebbe Lazar come from? So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara quotes Rebbe Lazar, Omer, Hov, and And by Rebbe, Rebbe asks, My time is Rebbe Lazar. What's the logic behind Rebbe Lazar? Do we say as follows? And this is together with the explanation of Tosvos, the classic commentator. He says, Do we say, when do we say 
that co that potential co-wives when they're sisters-in-law in the sense that they married brothers, they can't testify upon each other, is that only when their primary reason to testify is to impact the co- the the other sister-in-law, then they're not believed because we, they might be lying. But in this case, maybe they are believed. Why should they be believed? Because they're not talking, they're not testifying. Rachel's not testifying for Leah, she's testifying for herself. She wants to remarry, she wants to get married. She she saw her husband die. She wants to testify in court. Not for not for Leah to know that her brother-in-law died, it's for herself. So if she's able to testify for herself, and that's her primary intent, so maybe in that case, we will believe her with her testimony to impact Leah, and also vice versa. Leah is also not testifying for Rachel when she says Shimon died. Now she's testifying for herself so that she could get married. So when she testifies for herself, maybe, since that's the primary intent, maybe that could also impact Rachel. Is that the logic behind Rebbe Lazar? Or maybe the reason is is because what happened in this case? They went ahead and did Yibam. Rachel then married her brother-in-law Levi, or Yehuda, and, and, and Leah married Levi. So we see that they took this very seriously. They're not just testifying that their husband is dying. They're acting upon it. They said, my husband's dying, I'm even going to marry my brother-in-law, which is a severe prohibition. It must be that what they're saying is actually true. And if it's objectively true, so then that could impact each other. It's not just words that they're saying a testimony, which is obviously significant in and of its own, but they're actually acting upon it. And, and they wouldn't mess themselves over. They wouldn't uh, marry their brother-in-law, Levi and Yehuda, if they didn't actually believe what they were saying. This is a severe prohibition to marry your brother-in-law. Must be, unless it's Yibam. So it must be that they're telling us the truth. Lamaynaf, you know, what's the difference? Who cares whether it's because we just believe the testimony because it's uh, their primary intent is for themselves, or whether it's because they did Yibam. The reason is that it has, it has uh, major ramifications for, let's say, uh, could the, could the uh, sister-in-law uh, marry whomever they want even before they do Yibam? Is this specifically about the fact that they were allowed to do Yibam, or is this just about the fact that, uh, that we believe the testimony because the primary intent is for themselves? Why If the reason, if the logic is that um, they're they're allowed to testify their testimony, if it's about themselves, their primary intent is for themselves, so then it could impact the uh, the sister-in-law. So then, even if Rachel didn't do yibum, Leah could still get married to whomever she wants. So if it's about the fact that, oh, we see that they're messing themselves over, potentially, they wouldn't mess themselves over. The fact that they did Yibam itself is proof. That itself is the proof that they're, they're telling us the truth. So then it's only once they do Yibam. So only then do we say that uh, if Rachel does Yibam to Yehuda, so then we say that, oh, Leah can rely upon this and get married to whomever she wants because it's clear that Rachel is telling us the truth. And the same thing is true for vice versa. It's only once they actually do Yibam that we say that uh, that they're that they're telling us the truth. So, my, what's the halacha? Which one is it? Is it the fact that their primary intent is for their own testimony, and therefore they're believed for each other, or is it the fact that we see that they acted upon it? They did yibam, so it must be that they're telling us the truth. So, tashma, maybe we could bring a proof. Well, just look at Rebbe Lazar's language. Rebbe Lazar himself used the language since they went ahead and did Yibam. 
since they went ahead and they acted upon their testimony that their own husband died and they went ahead and did Yibam and married the brother-in-law, that should be good enough proof. So Rabbi Lazar says that it's because they did Yibam. It's because they acted upon it. So that seems pretty clear proof that it's because they acted upon it. It's not because their testimony was for themselves and uh, therefore it can impact the sister-in-law. No, it's because they acted upon it. Seymour so says, no, maybe that's not a proof. Maybe that itself is not a proof. Thigmar says, no, maybe Rabbi Lazar is saying that for himself, the testimony alone, since their primary intent is for themselves, they're also believed vis-a-vis their sister-in-law. However, he was saying, according to you, the first opinion, who doesn't love this, I don't understand why we don't allow this. They did Yibam. There's another reason. They acted upon it. Certainly they're telling the truth. They wouldn't do Yibam if they didn't actually know that their husband died. And the first opinion would say back, explains the Gemara, that no, maybe they're really trying to mess over their sister-in-law. And they'll go so far as to violate a Torah prohibition and a severe prohibition to marry your brother-in-law outside the context of Yibam. Because maybe they're really lying about the fact that their husband died. And they're doing Yibam as well, just to mess over the sister-in-law. Their primary intent is to mess over the sister-in-law. So there's no proof from the Mishnah. Maybe we could bring another proof. A few more lines in the Gemara, Tashma. We have the following case. So what's the case here? The case is not a case of Yibam. There's a woman who's traveling with her husband. Uh, they're co- there's, let's say there's two, a husband is married to two women. Uh, one wife stays home. The other wife is traveling with the husband. And she comes back and she says, the husband died. Co-wives are not believed with, vis-a-vis each other. So she's believed with regards to herself. She says, my husband died. She could get married to whomever she wants. And she could also collect the ksuba. The co-wife who stayed back can't rely upon her testimony. But Rabbi Lazar says, So Rabbi Lazar says that once we allowed one co-wife to get married, the other co-wife could also get married. So we see maybe, what's the idea here? Ema ho'el. So, so it's specifically the language of that because it was allowed, not that she actually got married to somebody else, but even without getting married to somebody else. Once we allow her to get married to somebody else. So it seems as though the idea is um, that, the idea seems to be that just the testimony alone, since she's testifying, the co-wife is testifying for herself. She's not testifying for the other co-wife. She, she's testifying that my husband died so that she could get married to whomever she wants. She's testifying for herself. It's not about the co-wife. She wants to know that she could get married. So that seems, seems to be the logic because Rabbi Lezer used the language once we allow her to get married. Not that she actually has to act upon it, but the testimony alone works for the co-wife. So Gemara rejects this, this and says, no, It means, Rabbi Lezer doesn't mean that once uh, we allow her to get married, but once she actually gets married. Rabbi Lezer really meant to say once she actually gets married, she acts upon it, now the co-wife could also get married. So it's only specifically when they act upon it. So the Gemara says, I understand. How could she act? Once she acts upon it, don't we have to be concerned? Says, I don't understand. Maybe this is what happened. Maybe acting upon it in this case isn't going to work. Why? Because maybe her husband's really alive and her husband actually divorced her. And so now she's allowed to marry whoever she wants. She comes to court. She returns and she says she wants to mess over her sister, her co-wife. And she says, you know what? The husband really died. The husband died. It's not really true. Her husband gave her a divorce document. 
And now that she goes ahead and she marries whomever she wants, that's not proof that her husband died. That's just proof that her, that her husband gave a divorce document. So how could the other co-wife use this? It's not, it's not acting upon the fact that the husband died. It's acting upon the fact that, that the husband gave her a divorce document. So the Gemara says, no. The Gemara says, if you're right, if she married somebody that was Yisrael, you're right. Maybe we won't use that to allow the co-wife to get married because maybe she really got divorced. The case here is where she married a Kohen. <coughs> she married a Kohen. So now that she married a Kohen, uh, so she would only do that if she wasn't divorced. So she marries the Kohen. And it must be that she wasn't divorced. It must be that the husband died because somebody who's divorced can't marry a Kohen. So it must be. She's not going to do this. Rebelaz is of the opinion. She's not going to mess herself over. She won't do something that will mess herself over. So she marries the Kohen. If she's married to a Kohen, so she's obviously not divorced because she wouldn't mess herself over. And it must be that the husband died. So then according to Rebelazar, the co-wife could also now get married because she acted upon it. It wasn't just a testimony, but she acted upon it and even married a Kohen. must be that her husband died. Now the co-wife could also get married. Again, this is the opinion of Rebelazar. The first opinion argues and says, no, a woman will in fact mess herself over just to, just, uh, to have a negative impact upon her co-wife or her sister-in-law. Uh, she'll be willing to mess herself over in order to have that to have that negative ramification according to the first opinion according to the second opinion according to Rabbi Lazar she won't do that <coughs> she will if she's if she's marrying a Kohen if she's doing Yibam must be that she's telling the truth and then the Kohen could in fact uh, would be allowed to rely upon her testimony okay this concludes the general topic of who we trust who we don't trust the rest of the Mishnayas for the rest of the chapter for the rest of the Masechta for the entire tractate We'll be discussing um, what is required, what type of testimony is required. Not who could testify, but what could they testify about.